Radio. If I touch my shoulder, it would touch my hair. Starts now. And I said, what the hell is that? Spirits and more radio starts now. Welcome to another edition of Spirits and More Radio, where we talk about everything paranormal. This is a live broadcast, so you can call in with your comments and questions at 1-872-244-6787. Turn down the lights, if you dare. And, and more Spirits radio. and More Radio. And it's another creepy night here in the studio. And a perfect time for vampires. I'm joined by my co-host for this show, Eric Van Leer. And you may recognize Eric from our first show. Eric is a paranormal investigator. And we're going to dive into the underground world of modern-day vampires. Eric, are you a vampire fan? Am I a vampire fan? Um, gotta be honest with you, the whole thing makes me a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you've enjoyed vampire movies for a long time, haven't you? I have. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think that's the thing that we're going to we're we're going to get into the history of it. But I have I have a very special guest with us tonight. Um, he is a real-life vampire who resides in New Orleans and is actually the founder of the New Orleans Vampire Association. But before we bring him on to the show, I did want to get into what vampires are. And we talked about movies. Um, do you have a favorite vampire movie of all time? Yeah, The Lost Boys. Yeah. You know, we had talked about that. I thought you were a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan for a moment. <laughs> And then I realized it was probably Lost Boys. Uh, I think I like Blade. Uh, that's probably one of my favorites. But I think yeah, that, that was a good one too. But can't lose with uh, Lost Boys. You know, it has a great setting. Um, of course, everyone when they were younger was in love with Star uh, Jamie Gert. She was gorgeous, and just the whole mythos of being immortal and living that lifestyle hanging out in caves and being able to fly yeah i i agree that was really cool that was a cool kind of introduction into vampires and i think that probably all the guys or boys who were watching that thought that was a really cool movie of course now there's a lot of romantic vampire uh, films and tv shows but you know i just saw one the other night and the, it, I think I told you about this. You haven't seen this film. It was Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. You haven't seen that, have no. you? You know what? You laugh. It's funny. And I thought, what is this movie about? But when I saw it, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It's, um, the premise is basically that 
the Civil War was not really a war between the North and the South. It was a war between mortals and vampires. And so Abraham Lincoln has this history that ends up... Are we getting some noise there? Eric, is that on your end? No, no, I just okay. coughed. Okay, I think we're getting some noise from maybe our... Sounds, uh, like, a, sounds like a coffin opening. I thought that same thing. It, it, it probably was, and we're gonna, I will ask that because it, it very well could have been. But um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer, great film. I really suggest you see it because... Uh, it's sort of action-based, you know, um, but it does have some really great scenes in it. And I think that's the thing. You know, our listeners, people who are listening to the show, you think about vampires. I mean, there's kind of these real classic things, you know, uh, no reflection in the mirror, uh, no shadow sometimes, drinking blood, of course, and, uh, and other things, too, like wooden stakes. Isn't there some history behind, like, the type of wood or something that the stake... That you're supposed to like stick into the vampire's heart. Yeah, the uh, hawthorn stick. Ah, uh, is that a type of wood? I think it's probably a piece of type of tree or something, isn't it? I believe so. It was uh, said to have magical properties. Huh. Uh, I don't think there's anything magical about a piece of wood going through someone's heart. I think any piece of wood would work. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know that's and the thing is is vampires really didn't come to be until are into what the you know into sort of the western world's mind until the bram stoker dracula film really propelled that whole thing but um there was there was some stuff before that and i and, and the story before that was really sort of quintessential vampire story really it was uh there was this little town um and this was in eastern europe and the little town had uh had uh, a thing happening this is like in the 1650s and what was happening out there was was people were um having some like someone was knocking on people's doors in the night and then what would happen is like if that happened to you if someone knocked on your door you would die within the next day. So this, sounds like the uh, yeah, sounds like the black-eyed children or black-eyed kids. Huh. I'm not familiar with that, but mm -hmm. but yeah. So someone would knock on the door, and then and then someone would die that, that from that home. And uh, the interesting thing is that uh, as this sort of happened more and more, uh, there was a woman, and her husband had died, and she claimed to see him appear in her window. And when he appeared in her window, um, he sort of smiled through the window at her. And yeah, and this guy's name was Jer Grando. And, uh, right. and so he had died and, and the town had buried him, but there were these sightings of this guy showing up around the town in the nighttime. And this went on for 16 years until uh, finally the priest in the, in the town who had actually buried him what happened was they, uh, that guy and a couple other people found, supposedly ran into Jur and confronted him. And uh, they, they tried to run a stake through his heart, but it bounced off. And then from that point, what happened was they uh, eventually went to dig up his coffin. A group of seven to ten people uh, came out to dig up his coffin and when they pulled him out, they said that his body was uh, still uh, looked youthful. 
And, mm -hmm. and and they actually someone brought a saw and began to saw his head off and his corpse began to scream and so yeah and so they sawed his head off and from that point forward the priest uh the priest actually said did like an exorcism like some prayers and so forth and from that point forward there was no more uh incidents happening in the town at night so that's really the first recorded um, use of the word vampire and someone who's undead that sort of comes around the town and uh, torments the city, you know, torments the little town or whatnot. So, you know, there's some more noise again there. But uh, anyway, so um, yeah, and then there was, uh, you know, of course there was Dracula, but wasn't there a counterpart to Dracula? There's a woman, a, there was a woman that was called the Countess Dracula, is that right? Yeah, was that uh, Elizabeth Bathory? Yeah, yeah, that's that's her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she used to actually uh, bathe in blood. Yeah, that that would be really hardcore. I I don't know if any uh, isn't that you know I know a little bit about the story. She was trying to be that was like an attempt to stay youthful, is what I understand. But she had killed over like six hundred people, they say, and someone who worked for her. Uh, was actually uh, um, read her journal or something where she sort of like put down everybody she had killed. And mm -hmm. so they said she had these vampiristic tendencies and, and she was actually related to the royal family. So she, was, she didn't get prosecuted for quite some time, but eventually she was, uh, was prosecuted and, and put up into a cell and they blocked up the windows. And I think they said she... She died like five years later or something like that. So, wow. Yeah, but I think that um, the idea of a vampire, you know, you think of like, you know, Halloween vampires and ghosts and witches, it's like that classic sort of thing that people are really into. Um, but, I, but what we're talking about tonight, I don't think that's what we're talking about tonight, you know, but I wanted to sort of, because when you say vampire, people immediately are gravitating towards, you know, those. Uh, stereotypical things, you know? Right, a black cape, pale face, fangs, greasy hair. Yeah, everything you see every Halloween, right? Have you ever been, yeah. a, have you ever been a vampire for Halloween? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I remember I was at least one year, I was uh, Dracula, I had the pendant and everything. Yeah, I did it one year, and my girlfriend at the time did as well, and we got... Every, I would say every five years, um, I go all out and do a costume that's sort of over the top. And so, um, when I did vampire, when I was a vampire, I, I got the teeth that, that molded to my teeth to give me fangs and, uh, did my makeup, you know, sort of whitened out and, uh, and did the clothing and everything. And I think it looked really great. I had put on a wig and I had long black hair and, she looked great. We were like this pretty awesome uh, vampire couple at the time. And I think that's something we're going to get into that because I think there's sort of this group of people that gravitate towards, you know, that side of it, like the mythological vampire. And they really associate with what a, what a vampire is, you know. Well, when I, when I dressed up as a vampire, I think I was in grade school or junior high so i was too young to have a girlfriend at the time but it was a it was a great costume 
you know, I did, I did the hair, I had the pendant, the teeth, I painted my face pale, I had the cape, black pants, the whole nine yards. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, I don't know about you, but if, if I were the classic vampire, um, you know, you, you, you see movies like Interview with a Vampire, you know, and there's this whole, like, hunting down of, you know, your next meal, and, uh-huh. uh, you know, like dust till dawn, you've got the, the bar that's full of vampires and flips over in the middle of the night and they sort of feed on everybody. So, um, vampires have a real hardcore reputation, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, I think that's, and that's one thing I want to get into when we talk about, when we bring our guest on is just, you know, um, all those, all those things, man, that make you a vampire are, are, uh, you know, not grade school sort of fun walk in the park type of things, you know? So, um, it's going to be really interesting. So, uh, we will be right back and stay with us because, uh, our guest is a real vampire from New Orleans, and uh, I think it's going to be fascinating what he has to say. You are listening to Spirits and More Radio. Have a paranormal story? Tell us at spooksandspirits.com. Whoa! So this is Radio Land, huh? The infinite turtle, the, the waves through the ether fuzz roll on forever. Roar! You're my fave. <laughs> Me and Bubba, my little brother, we listen to you every night. Hey there, listeners. This is Steve Rowan, your host. I hope you're enjoying this show. And if you are, I'd like to ask you to help us expand our audience by giving us a review in your podcast app. I would really appreciate it if you did that. And for doing so, I want to do something special for you. I want to offer you a free bonus hour of any one of our previous shows so if you like the alien show and you want to hear the second hour or the disneyland show or the ouija board show just take a screenshot of your review and email that to me at editor at spiritsandmoreradio.com and i will email you right back with a link to the second hour of any show you'd like thank you for listening and please share us on your facebook and retweet us now back to the show
Welcome back to Spirits and More Radio. I'm joined with my co-host, Eric Van Leer, and I would like to uh, welcome to the show our guest from New Orleans tonight, and uh, it is pretty late over there, but it's early for a vampire. Uh, we have with us the founder of the New Orleans Vampire Association, uh, Belfazar is with us. Welcome to the show, Belfazar. Good evening. How are everyone? We are hanging in there. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> so, um, I guess a little, you know, what we want to know, uh, or, or what uh, I think every listener out there wants to know who has no connection whatsoever to vampirism or vampire societies or vampire courts or all these sort of things that we've sort of run into. Uh, people are people want to know what this is about, but before we do that, I just have one question. Um, can you tell us how old you are? I am fifty-one years old. Okay, fifty-one. Okay, so you are not the vampire that we see in the films. Uh, what what is modern day vampirism? What 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 is a vampire today? Well, in New Orleans voodoo, our New Orleans vampire community, we use to define to define vampirism in order to figure out what a vampire is. So, our definition of vampirism is someone who is born with an affliction, who cannot either create enough of the essential energies the body needs to get through the day or cannot create any of these energies. So they got to reach for outside sources. I see. So none of the, none of the things that are really in vampire movies really apply to the modern day vampire or are there some things that do? I believe there are some things that do, but not on the level that you see the fantasy makers bring to life. Okay. When did you, when did you, when did you come to the realization that you wanted to, dis that you, that vampire was something you wanted to call yourself or felt that you were? First of all, let me make it very clear. There really isn't a person who identifies as vampire who ever thought this is what I am. It takes a bit to come to terms with. I was very lucky. Somebody saw something in me that sort of echoed her own childhood. So she took me under her wing, so to speak, and taught me to not... Well, taught me to not be ashamed of it, taught me to revel in it, taught me to grow with it. Encouraged you. Very much so. And what were some of the things that she saw that, that brought her to, to bring that up with you? Well, let's start off with the backstory. <laughs> um... I was always a sickly kid. 
I was short, round, and sickly. Like, round enough to have my own diameter. Mm -hmm. I had my own zip code. Okay? Yes. Now, being young, big, and sickly, while your cousins and uncles are all running around and healthy, some of them jocks, some of them preparing to be jocks. And you know what that's like. Sooner or later, the sickly one gets picked on. Right. Well, that's exactly what happened. And one day on a church bus that we were all forced to ride together, a couple of my uncles started messing with my sister. And I ended up just super angry. Nothing I did seemed to calm me down. So when one of them, one of my uncles shoved my sister, I jumped up and started hitting him, but he pinned my arms to my side. I did the only thing I could think of doing. And I bit. I bit through his winter coat, I bit through his sweater, I bit through his shirt, I bit through his t-shirt, and into his flesh. Deep enough that I got a really good splash of blood. Hmm. 74 stitches is what he got. Wow. That's, that's really, that's a hardcore bite. You were extremely angry. As, as I think anyone would have been, really, to see a family member being um, assaulted in some way. Well, what happened was um, the church bus lady, her name was Ashanti White Mantle, saw what went on, and she decided she would speak to my mother. Here I'm thinking I'm getting booted off the, off the bus. And the next thing I know, oh, you're going to spend this much time with her a week. Huh. And it became very evident that they had come up with a plan to help get me better, so to speak. So she had had some discussion with your mother and without really much discuss discussion with you, they had come up with an idea and told you... <laughs> This I was eleven this is at the time. This is what you're gonna I do. I was eleven at the time. It was always good to go through the parents first. Right, right. So what came next? Next I got introduced to my first group of vampires. You gotta remember, guys, this is seventy-six. Okay? This isn't the vampire scene that you see today. This is separated and segregated, almost family-style get-togethers. Interesting. So I got taken under the wing in 76. I became a full-fledged member in 78 at the age of 13. So is this, like, comparable to a coven? Comparable to a coven, except for... 
nobody started saying this was your religion, this is the spells you need to do, this is how you need to protect yourself. But they right. did teach us this is what people won't understand about you. This is what you need to do in order to keep you under control. Here, have this kind of a drink always around you just in case. We'll get you what you need for the younger members. Wow. So, yeah, that's. I'm. There was a whole society. I'm and shocked. oddly enough, communications back in the 70s and early 80s was through a certain few, well, let's just be honest, BDSM groups. Magazines where there would where they would announce blood play, you pretty sure Vampire or Five or Ten would show up just to reach out and touch base and communicate with others. So was was that uh aspect of it separate from sort of the therapeutic aspect of, of what was happening? Clearly there was uh, adults who saw these traits that they attributed to a um, group of sort of similar people, but the tie-in to the BDSM sort of scene wasn't wasn't the BDSM scene. It was just that there was that commonality of blood. Is that is that what you're saying? It was it only happened during uh, during events that allowed blood play. I see. You know, for a vampire to get their blood, somebody has to give it up. Now, was everyone who was involved in giving it up aware that there were participants that associated with, or, or let's just say vampire, with, that did they know there were people who had this affection towards blood? Or was were there participants that were sort of into the fantasy of blood play who didn't realize what was happening? Both. Interesting. Yeah, in all honesty, you can get you can go out into any of our gatherings and still find people that are oh, we know you're not real. We just love what you're doing and it so looks so real. <laughs> you know? So you have those people that no matter what they're not going to see you as what you are. They're going to see you as what they want to see you as. Because I'm pretty sure if they actually felt we were what we were, their heads would probably explode. Right. I, I, you know, I agree. They'll, go to, they'll yeah. go to one of their they'll go to one of their churches, start into their hallelujah syndrome, say something like, "I met a vampire," and watch that head go. Right. <laughs> right. Well. And like I, w I we, Eric and I were talking about this before, and if I were a vampire, in that sense that I needed that, I mean, you would think it's it's sort of in line with what I was thinking that you know this sort of like feeding parties, you know, uh, I wasn't thinking the sexual aspect to it, but you know, just that there are vampires there that you know uh, need the blood and and group up and and get what they need. Um, of course, I was thinking in a in a more sinister way. But um, it's not in, in this way. Obviously, the participants are willing. Well, in the seventy-eight, 
we didn't, uh, there was no skulking around in the dark. There was no running around bashing people on the head and hoping things would come out right. Right. Did, like, our did, leaders would do something like list blood pay. Right. Do you think that there, okay. do you think that there were or are people who've realized, come to the realization of what they need that don't associate, for whatever reason, they don't find other people like them and they're left to find their own way? Have you, have you run across any people that are sort of stray vampires in that sense that they're, they're solo and they're taking care of their needs and however they want to, whichever way they want to? Sadly, yes. In my honest opinion. Uh, even with the advent of the internet and things like, you can freaking Google me anywhere. I'm on. I'm even on IMDb. So, uh, with the fact that the information is out there, because some people are leery of the information, they avoid it, and in avoiding it, they turn to their own devices. Yes, yeah, I, I saw that you uh, you've written some books as well, talking about IMDb. I've got currently two books out. One is a book on magical shielding techniques, protection spells, and wards. The other is a book on voodoo, New Orleans style of voodoo. Now, would you consider yourself a voodoo practitioner first or a vampire first? So, would I consider myself a voodoo first? I consider myself a people first. Um, well, I mean, as, as far as your... Uh, voodoo, your make no mistake, my spirituality, my voodoo path, and my physicality, my vampirism, do not coincide in anything other than the fact that I am a vampire who practices voodoo. Okay. Okay. And uh, with that, we will be right back after this with more from Belfazar, a vampire in New Orleans, joining us tonight, and Eric Van Leer, our co-host. Hey, if you're like me, when you first went to get a fog machine, you had no idea which one to get. I mean, you can get one for 30 bucks all the way up to a couple hundred bucks. Well, listen, HalloweenPartyDeals.com takes the guesswork out of which fog machine is going to be best for you. Go on there, check out what they have to say about them. They'll help you get exactly what you need. All right, that's HalloweenPartyDeals.com. HalloweenPartyDeals.com. And now it's time for Haunted Places. Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop in New Orleans is one of the oldest structures in America to house a bar. Built in 1722, it was used as a blacksmith shop, but more so for illegal smuggling and lawlessness. Lafitte is described as a pirate of his time in New Orleans, 
and there are tales that he still haunts this very spot. His spirit is discussed nightly among patrons of this popular French Quarter bar. In fact, at night, Lafitte's is only lit by candlelight. With its brick-walled interior, some say the ghost of Lafitte is nothing more than your eyes playing tricks. However, a couple drinking late into the night at the bar jokingly played into the idea of meeting Lafitte, as so many others have. For them, the night ended without an inkling of the infamous pirate making an appearance. But the next day, Lafitte had a surprise for the husband, who was most skeptical. As the couple returned for a little more of the blacksmith shop's unusually creepy atmosphere, it would be during a kiss that the husband would notice something completely unexplainable. As his wife opened her eyes from the kiss, her husband said, I saw him. Of course she thought he must be kidding, but from the look on his face, she realized he was very shaken. He said that he saw a dark mist come through the wall and clearly materialize into a man's body with none other than the face of Pirate John Lafitte. So the next time you're at Lafitte's blacksmith shop, don't be surprised if you're joined for A Little Spirits by New Orleans' favorite pirate from the past. And we are back on Spirits and More Radio, joined by Belfazar, a vampire residing in New Orleans. And um, uh, where Belfazar, you pretty much uh, have gone over your and coming to coming into understanding the idea of vampire. Um, can you address, or um, I'm curious about the use of the word vampire? Is it, the association as a vampire is simply based on um, Hollywood's portrayal of um, the undead and the need for blood and all that sort of thing. Is that right? Originally, no. Uh, Not the Hollywood's version of the undead, but the need for blood, yes. Um, Topics had been discussed. I guess 30 odd years before I even became a member of the community and terms like leeches and symbiotes was just thrown out. We kind of adopted vampire and went with it. And is um, now there have, I'm just curious at what point in time, um, we talk about the, you talked about your health and people showing you that consuming blood would restore your health and bring energy to you. Originally, they didn't actually show me that. I kind of found it on my own. Uh-huh. They just, after getting kicked off the, the Sunday school bus, I was running around with all my friends 
as if I'd never been sick. It like literally hit my tongue and it was like an explosion of life. I could do things like the other kids could do. I could make snow angels. I could run. I could throw snowballs. Now, I, I, I hate to play devil's advocate, and I mean no... Um, how do I phrase this? D- do you think that was uh, completely because the blood had some some type of uh you know like, like like back in the day they used to bathe in blood and do all that and we've talked about oto and how certain body fluids have um you know quote unquote magical properties um but do you think this consumption of the blood was a hundred percent the blood itself or do you think there was any part of it however minute that may have been somewhat psychosomatic based nope too young to know what a psychosomatic would have done okay that's fair i was 11 years old right um hadn't gotten that far in science (laughs) uh let's see so this was As a matter of fact, we were just getting into you know talking about flatworms and how they <laughs> regrow. So so Belfazar, for you when you tasted blood, because as a kid, you know, you I think everyone I think most people have probably tasted blood or at least their own blood uh, at some yeah. point. Cut your finger, stick it in your mouth. Right. And with that uh, so what's ever your ever so slow, oh shit. Coming out of it, yeah. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I, I have a very, and I don't know why this is. I, I know I'm not a vampire for this very reason, because I get so squeamish around blood. And I, I have to turn my head away as they put the needle in my arm to draw the blood. I, I immediately just start talking, rambling on about whatever to take my mind off it. And uh, I think the only time I... I get hungry. <laughs> the, the only Honestly, uh, I've, I've donated plasma. I've donated whole blood. Red Cross people used to look at me funny when I'd come in because I'd have like a bag of peanut butter sandwiches with me because huh. I get hungry. Huh. I, I don't get hungry, but I, I, I have to say that um, I can handle it under the circumstance of an emergency. If I saw someone on the side of the road bleeding to death and I could help them, I would get past it. But otherwise I go on the verge of passing out. So um, blood definitely doesn't do anything for me. But what, what you're saying to me is without, uh, when you were 11 and you tasted blood, there was something far more to it that was just um, unbelievable. I mean, this it sounds to me... Uh, that you could compare it to, you know, just some wonderful mental uh, experience is what it was for you. Now, understand, even to this day, with work by groups like the ABA, um, much of the information in the vampire community is anecdotal at best. It's all 
perceived by our own base experiments. Uh, several of us have done the done the route of, am I crazy? Is this really happening to me? Here, let me go to the doctor and check me out. Right. I have been I have been diagnosed everything from prenatal vitamins to uh, vitamin B twelve shots in the ass to like triple dosing certain vitamins that are supposed to speed up your metabolism and. Just don't work with me. Do you think that um, with relation to you talked to when we were talking about vampires that sort of find their own way or people who find their own way that just have this insatiable appetite for blood? Um, there was a case years ago in Australia in 89. I, I know you probably know uh, about this, but uh, a woman uh, and her friends... Uh, had lured someone who was a drunk guy walking home from the bar, sort of pulled up next to him and lured him to come down to the the Brisbane River and where she stabbed his neck a bunch of times, almost decapitating him. And then uh, her friends said that it was to drink his blood. Um, do those sort of stories um, resonate or, or in some way um, represent a portion of of the people out there who are just sort of lost, but need that sort of lose their way in the sense of uh, harming people as opposed to other ways to find the blood that they need to drink. No, don't get me wrong in every category of people on the face of the planet. You have people that go outside the norm or what would be normal for that particular group of people and accomplish things. Uh, it's not normal for a father of three kids to run around and kill his neighborhood's kids. Not normal for the banker to go into the bank and literally and not accidentally screw up some paperwork and cause things to happen, rob people of money it wasn't normal for oral roberts in 1984 to get on his international television show and said friends send me 80 million dollars or god's gonna call me home by june all right, all right. 20 million dollars <laughs> later he was still on the air for another 15 years yeah you got good and bad people in every walk of life and not all of those bad people are crazy, and not all of those good people are sane. So you got to kind of feel them out. You, you really got to talk to the ones who's willing to meet you face-to-face -face in a public place so that you feel safe. Yeah, and I, I think that that um, leads us to the next thing, that you have established the New Orleans Vampire Association, um, and... It's, I am one of the founding members, yes. One of the founding members. And it sounds to me like there's a lot of, um, as far as the vampire community goes, it seems to me that there's so many different people and types of people and that you must come across, you know, everything from the person who's sort of fantasizing about a vampire lifestyle 
to people who fit into these different categories, which we haven't even talked about yet. Uh, what, Maybe you can explain the different, the, the, what is it, three or four different types of people that associate with the title vampire. Uh, clearly, I think everyone listening Ooh, to this show, more than three or four. <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening to this show sort of really thinks of an authentic vampire or vampirism as someone who consumes blood, which you do. Um, but there are people who do not. Right, who who are who uh, are welcomed uh, into the community? Um, who are coming from a different perspective than that? So maybe for our listeners, uh, you can just sort of run through the different types of people that all come together as vampires. Okay, I don't do this whole VCOVC thing. Okay, well, um, I'm not familiar with what that is. VC is the vampire community that's supposed to be offline. Okay. OVC is the vampire community that's online. I found it to be too divisive, so I use GVC, Greater Vampire Community. Okay. Okay? So in the Greater Vampire Community, you have several different types. You'll have those vampires that are, like myself... Um, they find they have a need to reach outside their own particular little physiological endeavors to garner energy for a loose word, because anything we ingest becomes energy for our body to use. Then you'll have people that just like the aesthetics of vampirism. They like the clothes. They like to deck up and and deck out in in Edwardian, Vampirian, uh, Victorian clothing. You know. Then right. you'll have then you'll have the 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 lesser end of that, which I mean, you'll see some amazing costumes come out of the Edwardian, Victorian period when you go to a vampire ball. But you'll also see, oh, look, they went to Hot Topic, didn't they? <laughs> hmm. I know that's a lip surface jacket. I wore it five years ago. Uh, things like that. Um, and in all honesty, you'll have people that are strictly in it because they like the aesthetic of it and will role play a character. It becomes very much like they're acting out a different person like from the game vampire the masquerade sort of a, a social social uh release for them a way to be someone different than who they are a way to be someone different from who they are supposedly without being judged by others who are out there being different <laughs> don't always work that way sadly some of the people in the community are real assholes. There's no other way to get around that. They uh -huh. are just straight up and up assholes and will rip you for anything they do not feel represents them specifically. I see. We are talking vampires and we will be right back. 
spirits and more radio. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. listening to spirits and more radio and we're live on the air right now with belfazar vampire from new orleans and eric van leer our co-host tonight um it's been an eye-opening uh conversation with belfazar to be honest with everybody um belfazar can you uh you were just telling us about the different types of people that associate with being a vampire and that there's some um uh, people who sort of judge and so forth. Um, is there now you, you run an association, so everyone is welcome. I assume is there sort of a hierarchy in place that if you drink blood, you are maybe at the top. And if you're something else, you're lower than that. I mean, is that just people tend to do that sort now, of thing? Anybody who promotes those hierarchies are full of crap. I see. I'm sorry to you people who do this. But I think you're full of crap. I've always thought you were full of crap, and you should have been told you were full of crap when you were putting those together. Um, feed types are feed types. That's the only thing that solely generates its own specific force in the drama of the community. You know, you'll, you'll see role player a b and c walking with real vampire d and e and they're having a great time not knowing that real vampire d and e are sanguines real vampires f and j yeah we're skipping e because he's on the sideline watching the whole shit <laughs> <laughs> you'll see these other vampires come into play and they're psychic vampires and because they don't drink blood they may snub they may snub their noses at the sanguine vampires hmm. but let's be really truthful here you got a whole lot of snubbing going on in the community, all based on feed type. Huh. Now, with these, uh, with these, uh, I assume there's other vampire associations across uh, the country. There are. Or, okay. Or, or um. Now, New Orleans now, is unique in its own because we set up our council as a round table mm -hmm. each member of the council gets to bring projects to the table everybody votes on the projects based on information gathered and and spoke on everybody gets a say in the council mm -hmm. some need to learn a little to speak a little less and say a little more mm -hmm. But in all honesty, that's in every way of life. Yeah. Does this include, um, I mean, uh, without 
without having a strong connection or any connection to this, to, to the vampire community. Um, I've heard of vampire courts and I think that that's shocking to the average listener to think that there's this alternate society of people that actually hold a court. Can you tell us about that? Having survived a couple of those, I could, um, survived in the barest sense of the words. They were drama-filled and did more to hurt the community than anything else. Such as, here in New Orleans, when a certain person wanted to establish a halo down here, he wanted a court down here, he didn't go to any of the established houses and talk with them. He didn't invite them in at all. He just set up his own thing. And then he put somebody else in charge of it, and that person started doing what we used to call blood hunts. What is a blood hunt? A blood hunt is just a way to shame another vampire out of the community. No more, no less. Now you get people to try to start drama with them until they just either back out of the community or they bend over and start following your set of rules. Mm-hmm. Now, with these associations, are there any uh, initiations or rituals that go on? That goes house by house. In all honesty, that goes house by house. Mm-hmm. House of Mystic Echoes, my own personal house, does have initiations for those who feel that they want to make it more their proper home. Right. The initiations do not cost anything except for the person has to get their own basic hotel room where I can come in, do all the prayer work, light all the candles, say the same prayers that were prayed over me when I did it when I was 11 years old because I used my very first family's guidelines. So so these prayers are well-established prayers and there isn't, you said before that sort of a vampire or any, anyone's religious take on life can be completely separate from uh, their need to consume blood or uh, in a way be a psychic vampire or, or any of the other various ways that people uh, feed off energy. Well, understand, when I first got into the vampire community... We didn't focus on feed types. We knew there were alternative feed types. We knew there were different ways for people to, for lack of a better word or phrase, garner their energies. What we focused on was the commonalities. Why did we feel that we were a vampire? Why did we feel that this was even a part of us? Right. Is there is there a place for someone, maybe someone who's listening to this show right now that uh, 
has um, found that they have a fondness for blood or just a straight, straight up need for it and that it enhances their life, um, but just doesn't uh, want to take into this, what you describe the, the community and the courts and the houses and, and even the whole idea of vampirism or the word vampire for fear of black capes and fangs and um, all those sorts of things that greater society understands to be a vampire. Is there a place for someone like that who just doesn't find themselves fond of vampire? There are several places they can go to get information. Um, sadly, we lost one of our matriarchs in the community. And yes, I say matriarch because she was mom to a lot of us. When we had problems, we turned to her. So we lost one of the matriarchs, but her website, sanguinarius.com, is still up and running, and it's being run by people who would leave it as she left it or add to it as she would have. And is that what... Um, so where you have sanguinarius.com. You have Sphinxcat's old site. Sorry, Sphinxy. Just in case you're listening. <laughs> so these are places that someone can go who recognizes the fact that they have this hunger for, for blood. Um, we haven't... Uh, gotten into um where where big groups talking about the blood was brought to you as a child but where does the blood come from is it animal blood is it human blood um well, i understand my grandmother was a little old jewish woman okay so she would get blood from me when it wasn't from people from the kosher butcher down the block I found pig's blood to be too salty. Uh, chicken blood, bland, 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 bland. Beef blood tasted the best and mixed with a Merlot nicely. And we're at the one hour mark. This fascinating interview does continue for our full access overtime members. To get full access, simply go to our website at spiritsandmoreradio.com. Under the full access section, you'll see an orange Patreon button. Click on that to find out more and hear the rest of the show. You can also join our live broadcast alert list. We email the day of the show when we are going to broadcast live so you can tune in and hear the full show and also have the opportunity to call in. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Time open all the doors and